Good morning. We're going to start today reading out the emails. This is very exciting. Uh, I want to thank all of those people uh, that have sent in emails, including you. Thank you very, very much. Those of you that have not or still wish to do so, we've still got plenty of space in next, year, in next week's share. So send in the message, office at basedovid.com. Office at basedovid, B-E-I-S, david.com. Together with donation, no. And um, put in the Chumashkacha Prata story, and uh, we will mention it on Shea. So well, let's start with a few stories. We've got some great stories today. We're not going to get through all of them. And just to mention, you know, we were away for Shabbos, and I think the Olim realized how many times we're like, oh, we've got a Shkacha Prata story. It's amazing how many times you think to yourself, I didn't think I have a Shkacha Prata story in my life. It's not like here, right? I don't have a Shkacha Prata to have to me. I have a regular normal life. Like, who am I to have a Shkacha Prata story? And all of a sudden, you stop thinking about it, and boom. There you have a Shkachapata stories. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely amazing. So I actually want to go through some of the things that happened to us over Shabbos, over the trip. And then we'll put them together and we'll make a little Shkachapata story out of those. But before I do that, I promised last week that we're going to read out the emails this week. So we're going to read out some of them. Baruch Hashem, we've got a bunch of emails and there's still more that I didn't print out. Um, again, want to send in the, send in the message. Send in an email office at basedovid.com. Okay, so we'll start with some of the simple ones. And sometimes our Shkacha Prata stories are simple. They don't have to be earth-shattering, book-worthy. They could just be regular stories that happen to regular people on a regular day that we didn't even finish. The Rabban Shem is holding our hand in everything we do. Isn't that amazing? The Rabban Shem is holding our hand wherever we go. Isn't that unbelievable? The Rabban Shem, the Melech Malcham Lochem, the Rabban Shalom, is holding our hand wherever we go. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Okay, listen to this story. Okay, simple story, but good story. My brother was having guests for Shabbos. He made meat for the Suda. When it came time for the meat to be served, the meat was raw. Now my brother was very, very upset. So being a good brother, he invited me on Sunday to come and have the meat that he wasn't able to serve on Shabbos. When I came on Sunday to eat that meat, he told me that that minute his laptop just stopped working. He couldn't figure out how to fix it and the company told him that everything would be lost. So I told him, hold on a minute, I have a great friend. Before you do whatever you need to do, I have a great friend who knows exactly what to do, and he can probably help you. So I got my friend to come down, he says, and after a couple of hours, he got everything to work, he got everything saved, and I said, that's an unbelievable thing. The meat was raw on Friday night, specifically, so that he could come on Sunday and be able to fix his brother's laptop. Okay? That was a beautiful idea of Ashkoch HaPratis, which again, sometimes you wouldn't even realize that. Like, how many people would think, that's Ashkoch HaPratis? I don't know, I have to be on Sunday, so therefore I have but it's a bunch from making everything work in a very incredible way. Listen to this story, okay? I listen to your shares and her anytime, I totally enjoy them. Here's an amazing Ashkacha Prata story. This story happened before the use of cell phones. There was such a time. Before the use of cell phones. What do people do? They were bored. What would they have done during lockdown and corona? I have no idea. But this was before the time of cell phones, okay? Yeah. Okay, so listen to this. About 25 years ago, about 25 years ago, my parents went on a trip from Baltimore to Florida. They told us, their children, which hotel they were staying at the first few nights in Miami, but didn't tell us which hotel they would be staying in Orlando, which they were driving to Mozza Shabbos from Miami. That Mozza Shabbos, I received a phone call that my grandfather suddenly passed away. His other children, my mother's siblings, lived nearby him in New York, but my mother lived in Baltimore, and as I said, she was vacationing in Miami. 
But my parents <coughs> were on their way to Orlando. And we had no idea where they were staying in Orlando. So here's my mother. My mother's father just passed away. She needed to be told where to go to plan for the Leviah. But there was no way to reach her. And my father, again, this is pre-cell phone days. So we tried calling many hotels that night in Orlando. Told them the situation. Asked them if my parents were, had a reservation there. None of them knew my parents. None of them had the parents' reservation. We tried calling car rental places. Maybe they'd rented a car from somewhere. Nothing. No success. The whole family was up in arms because we couldn't reach my mother. And the divide needed to be planned and, and getting sorted. And they're waiting for my mother. My parents were still supposed to be on a vacation for another five days. Now, after trying all night to locate them in hotels, no avail. We were, we were despondent. We didn't know what to do. My husband finally says, look, they're in Orlando. They're probably either at Disney World, Epcot Center, or MGM. I'm assuming you guys know what these things are. Where else would they be? So why don't we call those places and maybe they'll make an announcement for the parents to come home. That's the only way maybe we can get hold of them. So we called these places. We called MGM. What, what is MGM? No one knows? Huh? Studio. Studio. Okay. We called MGM. And they said, this is the situation. We understand this is an emergency. We don't normally do this, but we're going to make an announcement on the PA system. Announcing their names that they should come forward to the front desk. If they hear it and they come, we'll tell them immediately, call home. But we will only make the announcement once. Once and once only. And by the way, if they're inside a building, of apparently which is most of MGM is inside the building, or on a ride, they will not be able to hear the PA system. So we thought, like, come on, what are the chances, right? Almost nothing. That number one, be at MGM. Number two, be outside, not in a building, not in a ride, at that moment. But we said, listen, why not? We gave them the information. Chances were slim to none. And guess what? They were getting off a shuttle bus from their hotel to the MGM grounds. They heard the announcement of their names to come to the front desk. My parents called us. We told them the news. They were able to make plans to fly to New York immediately. My grandfather did not have to wait too much longer for burial, which would have been the case if we hadn't have reached them, or they would have had to bury him without my mother being present. I cannot imagine either scenario covered that mace. My mother and my father were able to be at the Leviah. It happened 25 years ago, and I still can't get over that Shkocha protest that my parents could have been anywhere in Orlando. The fact they were there at MGM, heard the announcement, and it was only once, and they weren't inside a building or on a ride means the Rebunisham was looking out for our family, and we will never forget that, and that that's the Ashkocha Protis that it is. Unbelievable, Rabbi Said. That's an incredible story. That is Ashkocha Protis, if anything. That's, that's absolutely beautiful. Let's run, Rabbi Said. Dear Rabbi, I was listening to your class, thinking how I can find a story to share with you, and nothing seemed really good enough for a story to share, but today, thank God, I have a story for you. My nephew here in Israel just finished the army, and was diagnosed with a form of leukemia cancer that he would need to start a course of chemotherapy. The family is not religious, and I was thinking, what can I do to inspire the young man and maybe think about Hashem? He's, he's an Israeli, Hebrew speaker, and I'm an English speaker, so it's very hard for me to schmooze him and talk to him, at least from my heart. I finally came up with the idea. I'm going to buy him the Garden of Emunah book by Rabbi Sholem Arush, and I'd have to go to Yerushalayim and find the time to go and buy the book. Now, I like the idea, but being a Hebrew speaker, I'd have to go find a copy in Hebrew, so it was like on the back burner. I could tell I get a chance to do that. I have to go to Tel Aviv, to go to Ostar, to go to Yerushalayim, to go pick it up. It wasn't so simple. Lo and behold, he said, today, 
I felt it was time to go down to the Gniza, where I live in Telstone, and place some bags of, you know, Gniza and Seamus that I have that needed the proper burial. You would not believe this, but what was lying on the big pile of the Gniza bin, yes, a brand new, and I mean brand new, Hebrew edition of the book, Garden of Amuna. You cannot imagine how excited I was. I share this story with you because truth has it, probably would not have gone out of my way to find the book. Now I have a good reason to go and visit, and that's from Hashem, the book is meant for him. And what a gift for me, uh, what a gift for me to have found the book in Bezot Hashem, a gift for him. I pray that he will be open. If you want to give him a shout out for Rafur Shalema, his name is Natanel Ben Chava Chayesh, the Rafur Shalema Yisrael. Thank you very much. My husband is a big fan of his Gemara classes. May be blessed for many, many years. You, your yeshiva, your students, and of course your family, Rabbi Sai. Okay. And not only that, Rabbi Sai, I will tell you, look at this. He sent me a picture. He sent me a picture of the top of the Geniza with the book over there. Okay, there it is. Anyway, unbelievable, unbelievable. amazing. Um, okay, let's move on. Let's move on. story. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I came home at around eleven. I think fifteen a.m. Eleven fifteen. Eleven. I don't know what that is. Uh, Shabbos, I'm not sure exactly when this is and I was driving in my driveway I was minding my own business on my phone when at about 12.30 I get a knock on the passenger side and I see a colored man assuming he wanted money next thing I know next thing I know I see he had a gun which I froze uh, the next, thing, next second he was pointing the gun at my head uh, I'm just reading the email and then with a quick instinct and not much thinking I put the car on drive and I flew from the scene without injury Baruch Hashem the cops and the showman arrived shortly after and he said just imagine if I was backed in meaning if I was facing the street it would have been much harder to get no he was actually facing the street if he would have backed the other way it would have been much harder to get out and also the fact that the car was on all I needed to do was put it on drive, which was my best weapon, and pull out, just getting out my driveway. I didn't get hit when any of the cars came out, which was resulted in a crash and resulted in tremendous psychona, whatever it was. That was the Ashkocha Portis story that he told. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. That is amazing. Shout out to Hashem. Yes. Let's move on, Rabbi Sai. Gavaldic, Rabbi Sai. Gavaldic. Let's move on. What do we have here? Okay, let's move on over here. Okay, hello Rabbi, I'm an avid listener of yours on Shere Torah anytime. I heard your request for Ashkocha Potter stories, I call you one that happened to me. I hope this gives you a listener's chizek. Thank you for all of your Kali stories, much appreciated. My story starts back many years ago in a town where I used to live. I was one of the members of a monthly women's Rosh Chodesh Tehillim group, which was held in a friend's of mine's home. Ladies of all levels of Yiddishkeit would meet as close to Rosh Chodesh as possible each month to recite Tehillim for the sick and to receive words of chizek. As my children grew, we sought Berachinach in a town many miles away. I sadly had to leave the meetings, losing contact with many of the ladies. I'm a primary school teacher by profession. I was called into my local primary school to help out with class teacher absence. While I was there, I noticed a child with very bright red cheeks, which I assumed was a normal childhood virus, and I thought little of. Some weeks later, I started to experience terrible pains in my joints, in particular my hands and legs. I could hardly move them. We were due to travel to Yushalayim for a much-needed family holiday. I hardly, 
I could hardly move, but with the help of my family, I managed to pack. I couldn't understand what was wrong, and just thought I had just been overdoing it. Waking up in Yerushalayim, my body was in real state. I had swelling in my joints and trouble moving. I felt 100 years old, even though I was closer to 40. I was terribly worried. I went outside to soak up the Israeli sun, and I saw my old friend, a hostess of that Tehillim group, who I hadn't seen in many, many years. She asked me what was wrong, and I explained that I couldn't move my joint, and I couldn't understand why, and it was very, very scary. She asked me if I'd been teaching. I said, yes. She said, have I been in contact with any children that had slap cheek? I had no idea what this was, but she explained it was a virus in children that causes bright red cheeks, hence the name, slap cheek. Uh, it's relative, relatively harmless in children, but in adults, it can be very much more serious and cause joint problems. The only reason she knew about it because she had it too. After weeks of doctors and hospital appointments, nobody was sure what it was. Her son, a doctor, finally released, realized that she had a fifth disease caused by, I don't know what this is, B19 something or other, or slap cheek, as many adults with fifth disease have had many painful joints, particularly in their hands and knees, and no other symptoms, it can be very hard to diagnose. She told me that the main cure was warmth and rest. I realized so clearly the Yad Hashem, if I hadn't met her, I could have spent months and months in the doctor's surgeries. They were trying to work out what was wrong with me. Hashem sent me a refuah. I met an old friend who had this rare virus in Yerushalayim that I was on holiday at that particular time, and that was incredible. Baruch Hashem, I've recovered from the frightening virus. Hashem has sent me the whole time. Hashkacha protest was so clear. So again, you see, unbelievable thing. Here she is, on holiday, in Yerushalayim, and she meets someone that years ago she knew had the same disease. Unbelievable Hashkacha protest, Rabbi Say. If that's not Hashkacha protest, what is Hashkacha protest? Okay, let's move on, Rabbi Say. Um, this, this, is an, this is a really interesting one, actually. This is a really interesting one. Hi Rabbi, I was watching the Shane. I thought I'd share something inspiring that happened to me recently. I grew up not religious at all, and in college was an inspiring screenwriter for uh, secular movies TV. Right after I graduated, I came to Israel on birthright, which was Hashkacha Protes of in itself, and had an amazing experience, which I won't get into, but caused me to eventually start to light Shabbos candles, and eventually a few years later, to become Shoma Shabbos. The whole time, I was dealing with trying to become observant, but still trying to make a living writing scripts. I would write scripts that were mostly secular, but had bits of Torah in between them, and people told me that they were good, but they never found any success. I would have reoccurring dreams that, um, where I would pitch these ideas to people in the business and get shut down and turned away. When I would write these, I would just feel awful, like I was wasting my time. I would listen to rabbis, I think including yourself, about how we all have talents and how we should use those to serve Hashem. I tried to write a few movies that were totally Torah-based and kosher mahadrin, or males, and I still have a few I'm in the middle of, but I never really felt like I was going anywhere. I haven't worked on these things for months because I just didn't feel like Hashem wanted me to do this. And I was praying all the time, Hashem, please show me what is my tachlis, how can I use my talents and storytelling and my humor to serve you, but I never had any realizations. Also, for the past years, I've been trying to find kosher Jewish outlets to entertain my young kids at bedtime. And when we needed them to be occupied with something, but there were only you know, so many Jewish videos on Chabad, so we watched them all. A lot of Torah videos and entertainment out there for kids involved girls singing and weren't necessarily kosher, and I felt uncomfortable with that. Listen to this. Then I recently saw a class by Rabbi Duvi Ben Shushan ah, on Birchat Halilonot, where he was talking about how a great rabbi told him to light a candle in the merit of all the Neshamot Galmudot, 
all the souls that may be trapped and not let into Ganeiden because of maybe lacking one schos. So he said in the video that he tried it and saw crazy things. Just throw out a candle in their merit, and if they get into Ganeiden because of your candle in their merit, they basically help you in Shamayim and ask Hashem to grant you whatever you need. Okay? I can tell you where the lecture is also. I thought, well, why not? Uh, I'll light a candle. I felt really good about this, and literally a few hours later, I was scrolling through my phone, and I saw a line of a Kids Story podcast on Spotify. I don't know why they appeared, because I never searched for anything like that, and I thought, wow, a podcast that tells kids stories? And it clicked in my mind, what if I started a podcast where I told funny, kosher stories to kids that are orthodox to teach them about Torah laws? As far as I could see, there are few, if any, that exist. So the same night I started a podcast to record two stories on an Arab Shabbat and today I recorded another two. I finally feel like I'm doing something that Hashem is happy with instead of feeling drained and unhappy after I feel happy. Stories like this just come naturally to me and I can produce in several minutes long, hardly any time. I was watching your last video about what the Hesped... Oh, it must be the seven habits. I was watching your last video about what the Hesped would be at your funeral and I decided today that I'd be very happy people said about me that he tried to spread Torah to children through a free podcast. And for the first time in years, I feel like I'm using my talents to serve Hashem properly. So that is my Ashkocha Protest story. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that absolutely amazing? That is beautiful. That is really beautiful. Okay. Um, okay, Rabbi, so we're going to stop here. I'm reminding all of you, anybody wants to send in a Hashkocha Protest story, please do. Office at BaseDavid.com. Have a wonderful, successful day. And keep looking for Hashem in your life.